Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. Uh, here we discuss your favorite movies of all time, as well as the ones that got away. We look at classic and iconic films from two perspectives, that of the diehard fan and that of the uncultured, who's never seen it before until now. We're your hosts, Joe and Justin, here to act as your guides, playing part as both the fellow enthusiasts and the ignorant and uncultured. <laughs> Today, we'll be talking about a movie that, to me, spiritually feels like a Thanksgiving movie. Oh my god, yeah. It's the 2000 mockumentary film, Best in Show. Yay! We're talking dogs. Finally got around to it, man. Um, How have you not seen this movie? This was fun. Uh, You know, I never really got into the mockumentary uh, of it all Mm -hmm. until probably about my initial exposure with The Office and Parks and Rec and things like that. Um, but I initially like kind of knew about this movie, but I wasn't super interested. It was 2000. I was 13. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, you're into other things when you're 13. If you, it's, it's weird. Cause like a lot of the people in this particular movie and kind of in the Christopher guest cinematic universe yeah, are yeah. also famous comedians and other like more mainstream comedies, especially around the time period. And I'm thinking specifically about like the American pie movies. Oh yeah. You have like Eugene Levy and Jennifer Coolidge. Oh um, yeah. It's, it's great. It's kind of interesting to think like, did you fall into more of like an American pie type experience or a Christopher guest? <laughs> <laughs> I, I easily defaulted into the, the, the teenage raunch of it all. Um, I, I loved the, the American Pie movies growing up in, um, yeah, at, you know, 13, 14 years old. You know, those are the movies that I wanted to watch because, like, you weren't really supposed to because they were still rated R, I think. Oh, yeah. But um, I think my, my taste in humor wasn't quite sophisticated enough to appreciate the deadpan the ridiculous and the um, just over the top offbeatness that is this movie. And you weren't, uh, we're, uh, we're going to get into this, but like how long until you were like officially considering yourself a dog person? Oh, um, so I had dogs growing up. You like, did. Okay. Every so often. Um, like I remember got our first real dog when I was like eight and then, like, I got another one a year later at nine. So, okay, so sidebar, it's not like we kept going through dogs uh, in a nefarious, <laughs> bad way. I wasn't a bad pet owner. We had a new dog every year. They were like fish. Yeah. Uh, we lived in south, south, south Texas, um, like south of Corpus Christi. It it's took very us, south. It's very south. Um, it's where my, my mother grew up, and we spent a couple years living there. Um, when I was like eight and nine years old, uh, I was there for the 96 Olympics. Uh, I do remember watching that, uh, in Texas, yeah, but, fine. um, yeah, so South Texas, uh, rural, super rural, uh, big open highway kind of thing. So unfortunately I lost one dog to a highway accident. Ah, shit. Uh, luckily I didn't have to see it. My parents had to tell me about it after the fact. And then another dog now, and I'm just not realizing this, that maybe this is probably a tall tale. But one of my other dogs that I had was also pup napped from our backyard. And I don't know if that's true. Just someone came in our backyard and then just took the dog. Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I had, so those two dogs and I had another one in high school, but I didn't really start getting into dogs until post-college. Really kind of fell in love with rescue life 
you know, mm-hmm. um, appreciating the, the less fortunate animals that, you know, can't, you know, um, you know, make it on their own out on the streets, you know, people are assholes or whatever. But uh, that's, that's when I really turned into a dog person, uh, cut to now, where, you know, we're a house full of three dogs and an infant, which is bananas. But, um, yeah, that's my journey with dogs. Yeah, this, this podcast if, is nothing, if not a chance for us to uh, rethink childhood experiences. Oh, in, yeah. In a new lens. Yep. Sorry in advance. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I had so much fun with this one. I had zero idea what to expect. My really? own, yeah. So my only exposure with the guestiverse, the Christopher guestiverse, uh, which even come to find out wasn't, he didn't even do it, but, um, this is spinal tap. Mm-hmm. And I watched that like later in high school. Um, it was just like on VH one, I think one day. And I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, so like that's when my humor kind of started to turn a little bit more from the immature to more of like just the deadpan like ridiculousness. Um but yeah, so like that was my only exposure to Christopher Guest and, you know, everyone else, uh Michael McKean and everybody that circles this uh, you know, universe that he's put together. Yeah, he he definitely has a crew that he tends to work with. Um, this is Spinal Tap is actually the only one I haven't seen. Mm. I, I've actually seen I've seen like half of Mascots, which is like his his newest one from a few years back. That's on like yeah. Netflix. Mm-hmm. But he has a few uh, main ones. So Best in Show uh, in my childhood was the one we kind of like owned uh, growing up. Mm. Uh, so definitely my favorite guest film. Uh, I think it's the one that's probably the most fondly remembered by a lot of people. This is Spinal Tap, also very popular. Um, Yeah. Waiting for Guffman is hilarious in a crazy way if you ever get the chance to see it. But it's also, it's been described as like maybe not as accessible as Best in Show because it's about this like, uh, have you ever seen Waiting for Guffman? No. It's about this small town and this particular group of people who are putting on a play to celebrate like the such and such anniversary of the town. And it's literally just them obsessing over the play. And then a rumor goes around that like some famous like Broadway critic is going to come see the play and they start freaking out. And it's about that effect on them. Uh, And the titular Guffman uh, is. uh, That's fun. So it seems like, with these kinds of movies that he's into creating or being involved with, um, it just centers around a very simple plot or a very kind of simple, like these are the players and this is like a day in the life uh, or example kind of thing. So like this is Spinal Tap is about this over the top 70s metal band Mm -hmm. that just goes on tour and, and things like that. And it's just ridiculousness across the the entire movie um and i gravitated towards it because i was a musician and i played in bands and stuff growing up in high school and college post-college so like the bits of humor that you pick up from being a gigging musician is 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 rich it's so funny um and then like you get to pick up on all these other types of nuances that he does in these later films which is great yeah uh, from what I know about Christopher Guest films, they all tend to be uh, the mockumentary format that we've been talking about. So they have um, 
fake interviews kind of interspersed between uh, real footage, almost like a documentary. Um, and they tend to focus on uh, a single uh, concept or a single event and how multiple normal yet zany people approach so it. So zany. Uh, and he really, really knows how to like ring comedy out of every little mundane situation. Um, it's crazy. I was, I was trying to put some notes together to kind of like describe his style of comedy because it is a very specific style. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of it is informed by improv, which oh, we'll yeah. definitely get into because 90% of this movie is improvisation, right? <sighs> it's That is insane because like I, uh, Ryan and I said the exact same thing to each other like halfway through towards the end. Just like how much of this is improv? Oh, it, it's crazy. Uh, it's got to be I, the most of it. I have like stats for this, but like the original script for this uh, movie was like 16 pages long, um, Is that which if, if you know, like like film scripts and stuff, I think what typically uh, how it typically translates is like one page is a minute of screen time. Uh, <laughs> okay. usually. Yeah. So I think what he gave them was like a bare outline for like what this movie is going to be about. And then the way I picture it is he puts them all in like these pairs or alone in these interview segments. And they they're basically allowed to come in and build their characters from there. That's so great. I I really want to talk about that later, about the cast and the pairings and how just perfect perfect pairing it is. So difficult to um, figure out like who my favorite characters are from this movie, just because like I, I think about certain scenes with certain characters. And I'm like, okay, obviously it's Coolidge or something like that. Obviously it's Jane Lynch. But then I think about like what Parker Posey's doing with her character, what Catherine O'Hara is doing. Yeah. And then it, it keeps on just spinning and spinning. And it's I, a perfect. Yeah. I have a, an easy runner up or not even a runner up, but just like a, a front runner for who steals the show for me. Yeah. Uh, in every single scene, every line of I, dialogue. And, I and we'll get, think to I it. know who it is and we'll get to it. But I, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Do we want to get to the trailer before we go any further? Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me let me give okay. you some, yeah, some yeah. stats real quick, and then we'll jump into the trailer. Yeah. Um. So circling back, we're talking about Best in Show. This yeah. is a film directed by Christopher Guest, um, starring Christopher Guest himself, as mm. he usually does with most of his movies. Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy. Jane Lynch, Jennifer Coolidge, Parker Posey, Michael Hitchcock, Michael McKean, John Michael Higgins, and Fred Willard as a next-level insane version of your problematic uncle if he was commentating (laughs) on a dog show. This movie was released in September of 2000. It made $20 million. And I have have a note here. Right. It's it's kind of a lot. It kind of doubled its budget, which is nice. Um, It was not nominated for any Oscars, but... Uh, was in kind of the talks around best screenplay, so the script itself. Wow. But a lot of theories say that they didn't get nominated because so many of the lines were improvised right on the spot that it technically doesn't count as a screenplay. (laughs) Does it not? I'm sure there's like specific rules around it. Um, But a lot of people think that this maybe deserved some screenplay recognition that didn't get. Definitely. Hmm. Uh, it, it, it really is like a masterclass in improvisation. So you, we'll, we'll get into the plot description and all that, but you watch these scenes where they're just kind of interview style, these people playing off of each other. And once you, once you know that there's a lot of improvisation involved, you can really see how they're kind of passing ideas back and forth. Oh between yeah. Each other. Uh-huh. Um, and you and you and I don't 
do improv, but we def we definitely know some people who do improv. We're kind of on the periphery of that scene. Shout out Matt Hobbs and Dad's Garage. Matt Hobbs and Dad's Garage. Tickets on sale now. <laughs> um, uh, and it's it's very much the idea of like yes and in this movie, uh -huh, especially. <laughs> I always think of like. Parker Posey and Michael Hitchcock is the guy who plays uh, her husband in the film. So they're oh, like yeah. the, the yuppie couple. Them talking about Starbucks and MacBooks and catalogs. <laughs> and L.L. Bean. It's so good. amazing. I loved it. I loved it. It's like it is it is like ASMR to me. I can just throw that <laughs> on the background. Um, but yeah, this is definitely one of those movies and. Uh, I think we talked about this with our Devil Wears Prada episode is that like I, I tend to gravitate towards movies that have these like really like iconic, memorable, funny, like monologue moments, just like straight up talking that like you you would perform if you wanted to like get to a play, <laughs> right? There's so many there's so many versions of that that happen in this movie. Would you uh, do would you do Harlan Pepper's <laughs> nut monologue? Because <laughs> that oh, was I one of my favorite things. I cannot wait for you to play the game that I have set up at the end of this. <laughs> oh episode. man. What a tease. <laughs> what a tease. Um yeah, there's there's so much good stuff happening here. I, I have some notes, you have some notes. We're gonna get into this. Let's yeah. let's take a look at the trailer first. Let's do this. This is good. I, I previewed this one before the show, and yeah. oh man, it's good. This is good. I'm always interested to see, like... Live from Philadelphia, it's the 125th annual Mayflower Kennel Club Dog Show. Yeah. 3,000 dogs competing for best in show. To think that in some countries, these dogs are eaten. <laughs> Cookie and I work as a team. We met at this dance. He didn't want to dance. I got two left feet. <laughs> I thought he was kidding. But I wasn't. I was born <laughs> with two left feet. Beatrice has been showing signs of depression. Ever since she saw us having sex, what would you like to say to Beatrice right now? I'm sorry you've had to see that. I'm sorry. I have to stop it for a second. <laughs> Just because that is... So ballsy of an opener to this movie. <laughs> what, is the, what is the sex position they're talking about? It was like it's from the Kama Sutra cow or something like that. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just uh, traumatizing the dog. Hilarious. All right, here, we, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I've been a hairdresser about 14 years and I uh, went to a show. I asked my ex-wife, who's that? She says, that's Scott. We got top loin, porterhouse, T-bone. We got everything. So Amazing. basically, you know, meat. <laughs> Leslie and I have an amazing relationship. People say, oh, but he's so much older than you. And you know what? I'm the one having to push him away. <laughs> we both love soup. <laughs> the bloodhound not only has a great nose, but they can talk. What you doing, bloodhound doggy? What you do? What you do? And he's saying, I'm ready. That's when he, you know he's ready for a show. That goal is that best in show ribbon. Actually, oh. poodle means um, puddle in German. You want your busy bee? <laughs> Come get your busy bee. Cut her with him. She doesn't get a door. She's going to flip out. It's not in here. You left it at the hotel. Go to the hotel and get busy bee. That's my favorite, the miniature schnauzer. You'd think they'd want to breed them bigger, wouldn't you? Like grapefruits or watermelons. Don't look at the fat head losers or freaks. You look at me. <laughs> 
He went after her like she's made out of ham. <laughs> wow. Wow. I yeah, I will kind of spoil it. My my MVP for this film is definitely Fred Willard. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Every line he says is just insane it captivated me from the moment he showed up on screen i was like first i love fred willard and anything he's in but mm. he just takes the level of absurdity from 90 to 100 oh you know what no to make a, a christopher guest in joke from 10 to 11 <laughs> right? takes it from there to there is uh, it a spinal tap that. joke it is a spinal tap joke yeah it, it, it goes one louder you know mm. uh-huh uh hilarious it's great Mm, so much yeah i i do have like a couple uh little trivia bits that i stole from the internet so fred willard um as the commentator was specifically instructed by christopher guest to not do any research on dogs (laughs) during like the two days he was filming and then his partner in the scene was instructed to do a lot of research on dogs so you get that kind of authentic feeling of like this guy is some sort of celebrity guest that they brought in to host. has no idea what he's Western talking about. dog show, uh, yeah. the Mayflower in this case, <laughs> and literally doesn't know anything. It's amazing. The uh, One of the big call outs that Ryan had was like, oh, this has big dodgeball influences yeah. written on it. Of I, like, I of, have a uh, note. It's, it's literally, um, what's his face uh, from dodgeball? Yeah, it's it's, it's Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman, one hundred percent. It's like <laughs> it's Cotton and and him. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's one hundred percent. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, it, it's great. All right. Well, before we get into a uh, discussion around the film, yeah, uh, let's get into the plot description. Kind of give listeners some context here. So this film is not incredibly plotty. Um, no, it's super simple. I was thinking of maybe just giving you 60 seconds. Do you think you can do that? Yeah, I, I really, really can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can. Because it goes by fast when you're talking. Um, yeah, 100%. Like, this was a 90-minute movie, in and out. And like we talked about, it is, it's a simple plot of just, like, it's this one event with these people. At mm-hmm. first, I was kind of worried. You know, you get introduced to all the characters right away, and I was like, oh, no, I've, I'm going to have trouble keeping up with who's who but by minute 20 or whatever i was like okay this is i see what they're doing it's so simple it's just five dogs and um it's it's like we were talking about before guest what he typically does is just like he he focuses around a single thing and how different people approach it yeah Uh, and then the comedy is found in their perspectives on that thing but also their interactions with each other it's it's this it's this fun little chessboard yep um all right, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. If I can figure this out, um, you let me know when you're ready. I I am so ready. I'm ready. Okay, you're just going to pull it off the top of your head? Improv. Yeah. improv. I'm just going to improv it, baby. All right, and your time starts now. It is the year 2000. We are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It is the Mayflower Annual Dog Fest festival dog competition uh so what we do we follow this group of of silly band of characters we've got uh we've got the the flex we've got uh, uh cabot and cummings uh we've got uh hall and peppa 
and we have uh, the Swans, and then, uh, oh, who else? Oh, it's uh, Stefan and Scott. I just had the names. That's all I got. <laughs> Stefan and Scott. Uh, it's just everybody with, with all their dogs, uh, varying breeds, and they come in to compete for the Mayflower Dog Show, and hilarity ensues uh, in the mundane. Uh, there's a secret lesbian love triangle going on. Ten there, seconds. Uh, there's a guy with two left feet, and they pull it out for the win. And Cookie had a secret life as a whore once. Who knows? <laughs> and they win. Oh, yes. that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the listeners who had to hear a timer. Um, yeah, yeah. That basically sums it up. So much of the the plot of this movie is just people talking and you just realizing more and more about the quirks of these individual folks. So it's it's five dogs. <laughs> They're all different breeds. They go through individual uh, competitions and then they all come together or most of them come together at the end uh, for the best in show competition. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a movie, I think, about how much people can obsess over uh, small areas of life that yep. you wouldn't even think to even think about uh, as yeah. a regular person. It brings, so, it brings these people joy. It, like, don't knock it. Every every scene is about that. So you have each of these each of these dog owners who treat their dogs like like people. First mm-hmm. of all, um, is this movie a metaphor for different parenting styles? We can talk about it. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then you have stuff even like um, the the hotel manager when he has his little scene going through the different cleaning products. Like <laughs> everyone is kind of a master of their own world uh, yes. in this movie uh-huh. and. Uh, it's it, it was probably so fun to film uh, all of this and have that uh, improvisational element about what they could, what are like the three to five quirks that you're going to bring to your character and yeah, make I, everyone else's quirk. I want to know who brought to the table. Was it Eugene Levy or was it Christopher Guest or even was it Catherine O'Hare who threw out that like, you know what? This character needs two left feet, literally. <laughs> I'm going to buy two pairs of the exact same shoe. I'm going to wear both the left foot and it's going to be, it's going to pay off later. Don't worry. There's yeah. There's elements of like almost like fantastical stuff in there because like, how does he have two left feet? It's from a birth defect. Like I've never heard of that. It's so good. I'd loved that. Okay. So you break it down and you look at each pairing or each dog essentially. Right. Um, so you have the flex Jerry and cookie, and then you got Jennifer Coolidge and Jane Lynch. Um, Sherry and Cabot and Christy Cummings, hilarious name. Um, <laughs> Christopher Guest is Harlan Pepper. Uh, Michael McKean and John Michael Higgins with their Shih Tzu. And Parker Posey and Michael Hitchcock with the Weimar Rhymer. Each one of those couples or each one of those dog owners or whatever has their own like really specific, like super deep multi-layers underneath the surface of like quirks. So like, yeah, like you said, so Jerry Fleck has two left feet. Um, Jane Lynch and Jennifer Coolidge have like a secret love thing going on in the background. It's it's married to a man who is two feet in the grave. Yes. A hundred (laughs) percent. The oldest man you've ever seen. That guy played blue in, um, old school. Same guy. I've never seen it. God, Joe. Okay. We'll do a college years, uh, we're gonna have to do like a raunchy comedy miniseries mm-hmm. because I've never seen any of the American Pies either. 
Okay, well then I'm going to take over that month. So we'll do Just that. Just dropping that on you. We'll yeah. do that. Okay, so then we got that. And then we got um, we got Michael McKean and John Michael Higgins uh, with the, uh, he, he brings eight kimonos to the trip. <laughs> How many tea services can you do? It's We're going to be in town for 48 yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. So nine kimonos. <laughs> And then, and then you got Parker Posey and Michael Hitchcock with adults with braces. Like it's <laughs> so good. My my other bit of trivia here, I'll just drop it in. Uh, I I actually listened to Parker Posey's uh, autobiography a couple months back. I wish I could remember more about it because she has a whole chapter on the guest films. Because she's in, she's kind of one of his crew. She's in uh, a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for best in show, she actually she got actual braces for this. Like she has braces on throughout the entire production. They are glued to her teeth. Yeah. They're they're real. They're real. And you can, you can kind of tell. Yeah. Yeah. So did, did Michael Hitchcock also wear those fake braces? I think he's wearing like little fake braces. Um, And then it's (laughs) such a great choice. Like, and that's also like, that's such a yuppie move too. (laughs) Right. It's such a weird, it was such a weird 2000s flex for like, an adult well into their thirties to yeah. get braces of just like, cause I can't, you know, down to the word. It's literally like, it's, it's amazing in the grasp that particularly those two have on, I mean, Fred Willard's living in an entirely different universe. hundred percent. Yeah. But if we're talking about like the main cast of dog owners, they may be my favorite because um, the, the choices that they make uh, when they're talking about their Starbucks orders, mm-hmm. when they're talking about the LL Bean catalog, when they're talking about how they both have Macs, there's someone so specific that you picture in your mind with yeah. them. When he's talking about what turtleneck he should wear mm, uh, the down to the party in the hotel room, and he mentions that there's going to be a lot of khaki downstairs, just that line reading, which which sounds so like nothing on paper, but the way he says it just cracks me up. It sells it. It sells it. Um, it's great. Oh, what was I going to say? Uh, so the I was trying to like put notes together around like what my favorite parts are of this movie and kind of who. Uh, I tend to uh, lean more towards, and the the way I picture it weirdly. Have you have you seen Ratatouille? I have seen Ratatouille. Okay, so you know when Remy the rat is like combining different foods, and he like pictures them as different shapes and yep. stuff, and yep. little symbols next to his uh, head floating around him, and then when he combines like a strawberry with a cheese, it, it creates an entirely new symbol, mm-hmm. right? I want to do that. It's, it's like you want to see that with the characters in this movie. They're set up like characters in a clue game. They each have individual quirks, individual names, individual little superpowers, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to see scenes of any given combination of them, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, all right. I'm going to run with this, all right? So, do it. Yeah, okay, so we got... Okay, we'll start with them. We'll start with the swans. Megan Hamilton swan, <laughs> right? Typical late nineties, early two thousand yuppies. Um, but they're very abrasive. They're very like anxious. So like I'm imagining like bright orange kind of like sharp shapes and cause they're all over the place. They're always yelling and they're always so tense. That is their shape. Uh all right. Uh Christopher Guest, Har- Harlan Pepper. Very, very calm, very chill an aspiring ventriloquist. He was like, my things are going to be nuts and ventriloquy. <laughs> <laughs> and no one said boo about it because that works. 
his is very it's it's uh it's kind of like a blob molassesy shape mm. uh and it's brown it's brown it's warm you know uh jennifer coolidge and jane lynch obviously it's white and fluffy um <laughs> to go along with the poodle it's perfect with which they named the dog okay rhapsody in white you know t- uh, tip your nose Incredible. up at it but also they call it butch too hilarious yeah. they knew what they were doing. it's white and fluffy and it has really sharp fangs and it's really competitive yeah, and then for some reason, this isn't a shape or anything, but it's like for the the flex Jerry and Cookie, it's it's just green shag carpeting for some reason, and I don't know why. But that's they're nice. arguably like our our straight characters in the movie, like they're kind of like the normal ones, and they end yeah. up winning. But like still, even then, you dive into their little quirks, and one of my favorite bits throughout the movie is that they keep getting interrupted by people who have like had crazy amounts of sex with Catherine O'Hara. In the <laughs> By the time the second heard. thing came around, the second joke came around, I was like, oh, that's really good. That's really good. She has this deep, sordid past that Jerry has no idea about. I've, I've seen this movie several times, and one of the moments that surprised me this go around, because I completely forgot that I was in it, is when she's walking the dog out in the, the Mayflower, it's it's in their little mini competition for terriers and um the announcer uh played by fred willard is like, it's, it's, really that way. <laughs> it's, it's such, such a, a perfect little throwaway line yeah um oh and i forgot okay so yeah so then stefan and scott with miss agnes the shih tzu i'm i'm kind of picturing um just just like again it's fabric it's just, it's just silky leopard print for some wonderful reason. friendly and just too much for any given situation <laughs> right but if you can pull it off oh man it's great um mm. mm-hmm. yeah that was a that was a fun little mini game thanks joe oh, that's so fun i want you to design all of those out and we'll post them to the instagram no Done. um Done. okay wait before we get too deep into additional notes here um mm. let's have a little cocktail minute Ooh, uh, so yeah as listeners may know, we've we've kind of developed a, a tradition here on the UCU of having a movie-inspired cocktail uh, as we drink. So just know that as we're talking, Justin and I are always buzzed. Super um, fucking buzzed. <laughs> Justin, what is the name of your cocktail and what is in it? Okay, so this is uh, a Pitbull. Uh-huh. Uh, I found it on the web. It is a Pitbull. So okay. it, is, it is vodka. It is uh, orange juice, it is lime juice, and filled with uh, lemon-lime soda, or Sprite, whatever you'd like. Uh, I also put in a couple dashes of Angostura bitters, just because I was a little bitter that I didn't see any bully breeds in this uh, dog competition, which is fine. Um, And then also a slice of orange in there. Yeah. Would pit bulls, are are they like a pure breed? Like, how does that work? I, um, I don't know. Because so, <laughs> I was sure. asking, uh, I was watching this with some folks last night, and we were trying to figure out like what dogs would be able to compete in a, a show like this versus not, and like how they actually, the judges actually go about measuring one dog versus another. Like, how do you compare a terrier to a, a poodle? It seems like it has to be purebreds, right? Like, it has I would to be. Think like, so. It can't be a mutt of any sort. Sure. Yeah. Um. Anyway, which is a big uh, shame. Very fun, the pit bull. Yeah, the pit bull. Yep. 
Um, this drink is actually a cocktail uh, recipe that I found called the Busy Bee. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. Wait. It's called the Bee's Knees, and I'm calling it the Busy, the busy Bee. bee. Yeah. After uh, the Busy Bee moment from this movie. Um, it is very simple. It's like one part gin, one part lemon juice, and then a little bit of honey mixed with water to form like a simple syrup yeah. uh, with sugar on the rim. So nice. I love it. It's crazy. The busy bee was such a neat thing to kind of hold on to for, for uh, Beatrice, the Weimariner. <laughs> like such a strange thing, but I, I loved it. And I, the, I, the, the scene at the pet store, her desperation and just sheer disdain for the character, for the, the clerk is great. So <laughs> that is one of my favorite scenes. If, if we talk about like this movie being a part of my life growing up and like my background with this movie, there's certain quotable uh, moments in this movie. Where's the busy bee being one of them? Like you go get that busy bee and just saying multiple <laughs> uh, iterations of busy bee her going to the pet store in a rage and like desperately trying to find a bumblebee toy and then ultimately picking the furthest <laughs> thing from a bumblebee <laughs> is so funny. It's so good. <laughs> I know the, the patience the, uh, of that uh, store clerk is uh, beyond me. Um, Joe, I would, I want to know like you're uh, the, the deep connection with this movie. Like, why did mm -hmm. you choose this movie? you mentioned some of it. Like this was one of the movies that you owned. You grew up watching, like, give me, give me some more of those deeper tendrils. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, kind of my connection to the Christopher guest universe. Like we talked about. Mm -hmm. So we, we, you can kind of consider Christopher Guest as like an alternative form of comedy because it is a lot more uh, improvisational. It's more just observational of little like mundane things yeah. uh, around us and finding comedy within those. Um, and so watching this growing up, I think was kind of my first uh, step into the mockumentary genre, which like we mentioned definitely paved the way for a lot of people into the office, into parks and recreation, into um, even now, like what we do in the shadows. Like some of my favorite comedy is a part of this mockumentary genre, because I think uh, what it, what it's able to do is you're it's, it, it's kind of a shortcut to being able to show real footage and then have someone comment on that footage or, build out characters within a, a, a an absolute bubble within right. these interview right. uh, sessions. And it's, it's probably, I don't want to say easy, but it's, it, it, it's a new tool for uh, screenwriters to use. Cause you don't necessarily have to have action happening within the plot. It's really just, it's so intensely dialogue focused. Yeah. Um, and so some of my favorite moments are literally just um, the, the way that people, constantly are putting their foot in their mouth in these movies and <laughs> yeah. the way that even just saying something different uh, than you would normally hear it or saying something in like a deadpan style uh, can create comedy out of almost nothing. Exactly. It's, 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 it's a miraculous little movie. It and shouldn't work and it does. And it's and it. Like I mentioned earlier, like this is, it is, it is a style of comedy that I have had to grow into to appreciate um you know like it was you know shows like the office and stuff like one of the ones that i 
were first was first like exposed to that like didn't have a laugh track or didn't have insane zany action or anything like that that's going on to drive the plot it's more of just a day in the life of the mundane and it's just these real quote unquote real uh you know highly exaggerated characters and that's where you find the hilarity in is just the it's the mundane it's the the things that don't matter and it's these insane like situations and events that you could find yourself getting into and you're like how would i react to that or if i saw someone acting like an ass like this uh how would i react to that it's funny it's great the the idea of uh, a laugh track is interesting here because uh this show exists very much at the turning point between like the laugh tracked comedies of the nineties, like friends, Will and Grace and all of that. And moving into the more, uh, documentary quiet style comedies, quiet style of, uh, you got like the office parks and rec modern family where they're not necessarily afraid to let you sit in awkward silences. And that's where they're finding the comedy. Mm -hmm as opposed to filling uh, the space in with a laugh track. So it's it's kind of interesting. I know there were definitely mockumentary-style films before this and after this, but it's, it's for me, this is kind of where the bones of that exist, is with uh, this period of time and these Christopher Guest films. Absolutely. And, like, that's kind of where the... And, and it's taken, like, this modern swing into it, right, where it's become the norm, um, you know, like you mentioned with what we do in the shadows, you know, now a TV show, but was borrowed from a movie, same kind of thing. Um, but like th- this is now 20 years after the fact that this movie came on board and kind of ushered in this movement. I'm really interested to see, like, do we go back to laugh track or does this persist uh, into this, you know, that uncanny valley of, you know, what's real, what's not. Um, and or is there something new that, I mean, we've said it again and again, but like the Christopher Guest films in particular are unique because they have that improvisational element. So I I have like a quote from Eugene Levy, who, was, who wrote this movie with Christopher Guest, we should say. Um, he says that our outline gives a very solid blueprint to the actors so that they know how to get from point A to point B, but how they do it is largely up to them. So what I imagine they gave to these actors are like, okay, here are the main plot beats. Here's who's going to win best in show, but you kind of build out your character on your own. And then these scenes, what we're going to do, we're going to shoot 60 hours of footage of literally just like small groups of people interacting with each other and building out natural um, character growth in that way. Yeah. Um, I was, I w- towards the end, I was, you know, grit with like who is actually going to win yeah um, so you, know, you really I, didn't know anything going into this i know i didn't i had no idea so you know <laughs> beatrice being disqualified which is hilarious um <laughs> just because she's so anxiety ridden like again so dark and like not dark but just like such a weird twist so funny but I yeah mean, like, like i i thought for sure that the win was either going to go to winky the terrier or mm. hubert the bloodhound you know, kind of like the underdogs, the unassuming. Um, I was like, that'd be boring if, you know, Butch the Poodle won third, three, three years in a row. Oh, yeah, they can't win. And, you know, Stefan and Scott with Miss Agnes, the Shih Tzu, they were too perfect. They were too good. That would have been too easy to give them the win. So I really thought, I was like, it's either going to be Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara with Winky, or it's going to be um, 
uh, Harlan Pepper and, and Hubert, the bloodhound. I was like, that's, that's who's going to win. And I was ultimately shocked. I was like, okay, that makes sense. They've kind of been the, the underdogs <laughs> throughout the whole story. You know, they're strapped for cash. You know, Jerry's a cuck, you know. <laughs> and they had to sleep in the utility closet. Like, they had to give the win to them. Yeah, that's, a, that's another moment that was, like, largely quoted in my house. Just her saying, like, that's the good card. That yeah. went to work. <laughs> them not being able to pay for a hotel room <laughs> again like just like a simple transaction between characters that becomes this like moment of comedic genius oh yeah um i i have a list here that i, I with i i have to go through Let's uh, of just like my favorite uh line readings mm-hmm. from the movie that i just want to read out so like so many genius line readings that were possibly improvised it's kind of fun to think about like what kind of grew naturally versus what was actually set in the script. So (laughs) Jennifer Coolidge in her first uh, interview with her and her husband, Leslie talking about like, we could not talk or talk forever and still find things to (laughs) To not not talk talk about. about. Amazing. Who would ever think to say that? Um, (laughs) Jane Lynch, when she's first introduced and she's talking about like, her and Sherry being kind of the parents for this dog and their different styles of parenting. And she's talking about like, uh, my mom was there for unconditional love and it worked for my family until she committed suicide. <laughs> <in one. laughs> it's so dark, but I Such burst a... out laughing every time. It's so, so good. good. And then the way he just leaves the camera on them for like a half a second too long. <laughs> Um, again, the, the Megan Hamilton first interaction where they're talking about how they met and she ends with just like, we are so lucky, so lucky to have been raised amongst catalogs. <laughs> it just evokes almost like a taste in your mouth of who these people are. So oh, I was yes. watching this movie with, with my boyfriend and our neighbor last night uh, in our living room. And we kept on commenting about, like, we know these people. Like, we've seen these people out and about in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's these wacky folks who are very heightened, but they definitely have characteristics that you know in people in your own circle. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Like, like, one of my favorite like, things, the, the lines that it, when they're talking about Starbucks and the, um, the catalogs or whatever, that I bust out laughing was uh, Hamilton saying, like, I remember what I was drinking when I met you. It was, it was a grande <laughs> espresso. That's right. <laughs> And I thought that was really sexy. <laughs> How is that sexy? But it's great. It's just everything they say is like so like Absurd. advertised towards Absurd. them. And it's all like brand names that they're using. It's incredible. But I also have like a separate section for just Fred Willard um, line readings because he does take the cake, in my opinion. Um, 100%. I'm sure when he was in front of camera, he was having a great time. <laughs> um, so we heard in the trailer um, to think in some countries these dogs are eaten. <laughs> him just like commenting on this dog show. Um, him talking with uh, who is it? Bob Balaban, uh, kind of the the Mayflower owner, about yeah. how Columbus was on the Mayflower and they <laughs> landed in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's the the, the little known fact. <laughs> Columbus actually set foot somewhere down in the West Indies. Little known fact. And then, of course, like him asking the other commentator to guess how much he can bench press. <laughs> just it evokes such a like visceral 
thought in your mind of like everyone knows who this character is. Yeah, what did you say at the top of just like your drunk uncle who definitely shouldn't <laughs> be saying that? Uncle. Yeah, a hundred percent. They just gave this guy a, a microphone, and they, you know, why wouldn't they cut cut the camera away he's from just, him? He's like just a guy's guy, and he's commenting on this uh, slightly fancier uh, world of dog showing, uh, and just giving his takes. I would, I would love a spinoff, uh, you know, a prequel of. Fred Willard's character Buck and where he how he ended up there you know other commenting on other competition <laughs> shows that he should not be a part of uh, and it's so fun to think about like the the Christopher Guest universe as a whole and how a lot of these characters get shuffled around through movies so like in Best in Show you have very clear pairings or groupings of characters um, throughout you have like Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy together you have Jennifer Coolidge and Jane Lynch. Um, but then you have a movie like Waiting for Guffman where Fred Willard is actually married to Catherine O'Hara in that movie. And they're these um, folks who live in this small town, but they take theater way too seriously. And so they audition for every single show at this uh, uh, this local theater production. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Christopher Guest, who plays Harlan Pepper in this movie, plays the craziest character in um waiting for guffman he plays the the director of the play who claims to have a wife but he's the gayest character you've ever seen uh (laughs) in your entire life and he wears like jinkos the entire time so he's got like these really wide jeans it's kind of incredible um and it was probably uh i mean i can't speak to how movies are made but this is probably such a fun uh way to do things uh, absolutely kind of letting yourself go building off of uh the energy of whoever your scene partner is and just finding the comedy therein. yeah like uh, i'd be curious too of just like the the sequence of events of just how do you film this if it's improv like how do you keep track of you know the the story beats that you've already filmed or that you haven't filmed yet that you want to kind of keep it going. Um, Like even for like the two left feet things, like how much of that could have been improv because the camera pans down. He has two left feet on his Mm -hmm. feet. So like that must've been written down. It had to have been written down. And then they're like, Oh wait, that'll pay off later when he (laughs) has to show the dog. And the commentator says, now, now wait a minute. (laughs) It looks like that guy has two left feet. And I love how his partner is kind of like, you know, I wouldn't, I, I never thought I'd say this, but I agree with you. I gotta agree with you. Yeah. Weird. You're right. <laughs> it, it's, there was, there was such good payoff uh, towards the end there. The, uh, yeah. the, the way that Catherine O'Hara injures her knee. Oh right? my God. And the, the wobbly knee comedy. gag. Literally, like, how, how do you do that? The way she, like, completely swings her knee out with every single step is amazing (laughs) it's that's an actual real injury waiting to happen but hats (laughs) off to her that's why she's a professional and we're not uh uh so i read i read an article about this movie kind of in prep here talking about the improvisational elements um it was from slash film uh, look it up. We'll, we'll cite it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Best in Show contains several interview segments wherein the owners and handlers talk directly into the camera with each other and about each other. These conversations are meant to enhance their characters, but it also provides a deeper appreciation to the craft of improv because of the effortless way that they bounce off of each other while continuing the story. 
There's a partnership and willingness to build off of their co-stars, which compound the comedic elements. Parker Posey, a frequent collaborator with guests, describes improv like jazz. Everyone is a different instrument and adds a different element. Guest is very much a maestro. Maestro. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's really fun to think about it that way. Like, again, we were, we were talking about Ratatouille in terms of just like combining characters and seeing how they would, uh, uh, react to each other and behave in a scene together. But that that must somewhat be how improv is as well. It's just like, you're constantly, you have a base knowledge of who your character is and what you're working with, but you're always leaving 50% of blank space for the other person in your scene to kind of fill in. Definitely. Yeah, I mean it it a hundred percent kind of pertains to you've you played Dungeons and Dragons, so you understand how yeah. it is. You have the your character sheet and you have your backstory and that kind of stuff and how it pertains to how are you gonna interact when you come upon this interaction or you meet this kind of person. That's I imagine it's largely how it is. I, I imagine it, each person has a character sheet and they're like, These are my truths of of, you know, being Hamilton Swan. This is the, and this is how I play off of it. It literally is that. So I do play Dungeons and Dragons with a group and you know, you, you can never think of Dungeons and Dragons as like a board game because that doesn't make any sense at all. It, what it, what it is so much more is just an Im, improv activity Yeah, because you're literally just building a story with some general directions from your dungeon master guy. You have like you're saying, the set of bullet points, like these are my character's stats, this is how I would react to certain situations, but when it comes to actually talking and acting in character, it is all on you just to figure out, like, putting myself into this scene, and what am I bringing to the table that isn't too overpowering, that I'm gonna just, like, set the world on fire and, like, uh, completely ruin (laughs) everyone else's day, but also, what am I bringing to the table that is going to be impactful enough to move this story forward? Yep, yep. Couple of points here. So I want to bring up again the person that we shouted out at the top, Matt Hobbs, who's brought you such hits such as Puppy Songs, frequent collaborator with Dad's Garage Improv Theater here in Atlanta. Um, so for those of you who don't know Joe and I personally, which I imagine most of you don't, you know, shout out to Brussels again. Shout out to Brussels. All we time. love Brussels. Um, Joe and I used to work together with Matt Hobbs from Puppy Songs at Puppy Songs, www.puppysongs.com. Um, and Matt came from a improv background. He's an improv musician and he's collaborated with him for a long time. And when we all worked together, he encouraged all of us, the team, to kind of think and even participate in improv type activities to make us better collaborators with each other in a professional world. And it a hundred percent plays out. They, you know, you can do that across the board with your professional compatriots, right? Um, Because it gives, it's the give and take it's understanding your truths and how you can be a better player with other people. It's great. It's yeah. It's interesting to think of it in a comedy setting. Cause like you, you always think like, Oh, comedy has to be so organic and just kind of spur of the moment in order for it to be effective. Right. Cause otherwise it's not funny, right. but there's probably like, if you're, if you're trained actors, like these people trained comedians and all that, there's probably like actual tools that you can use here where, you know, you're kind of going to get a laugh, you know, if you pause for a second longer at this point, like it's, yeah. it's, there's, there's a science to it. 
uh, there which definitely is a science to it. About. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. There's a science to it. Um, but yeah, the 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 core of it, you mentioned it. It's the yes and of it, which is a hilarious kind of meme in of itself that it's become. But yeah, it's being willing to give more. It's you're not the star. You're not trying to be the funniest. You're just trying to pepper in a little bit more to add to the scene, to the overall story, and not just. You're not there to outshine everybody. You're not Michael Scott, right? <laughs> which is another good connection. Yeah, so. You're you're a single piece in a puzzle, and the puzzle's shape is constantly changing, and your shape is constantly changing. So who are you gonna who are you gonna fit in with, Joe? I, um, I did want to shift a little bit. So we talked about how this is a movie uh, about humans who treat their dogs as humans, and could also be seen as a metaphor for different parenting styles. <laughs> I so, thought you were kidding, but yes. Justin, you're you're in a, a very unique position where you have multiple dogs in your yes. household right yes. now, and you Correct. also have a one year old child. Yes. Um, how have we're we're gonna switch to interview mode right now? Ooh. How have you found dog parenting to be different or the same as human parenting? And do you do you recognize any of these tropes from these dog people in Best in Show just in the in the dog community at large that you've been a part of in the capital D dog communities, capital C? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, this is this is actually a really great question. So um, the first example that jumps out to me is Beatrice, the Weimariner, <laughs> and that's the opener of the movie. And, you know, you, you see what happens later. But um her parents, you know, Megan Hamilton, are high strung. Therefore, the dog is high strung. Therefore, the dog can't perform and loses <laughs> the competition or gets disqualified. Um, that's a big thing that, that Ryan and I practice as parents both to dogs and to a baby is, you know, dogs and humans alike pick up on, pick up on your vibe. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you're anxious... And you're worried and you're kind of uptight and high strung or whatever the the dog or the baby is going to kind of like look to you and be like, oh, should should I be worried, too? I don't know what's going on. You're my person. Should should I freak out as well? So we found, you know, much like jazz, much like improv, we're just big go with the flow folks. Um, we let the dogs lead the way. We let the baby lead the way of, you know, um, you know, do you need to go outside or whatever? Like, or, or are you developmentally ready for this or not? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's kind of modern parenting a little bit. You know, you don't, you know, force the baby or you force the dog to kind of like cater to your life your structure, your whatever, because they don't know any better. They didn't ask to be here. They either came in off the street or they're fresh to this world. They don't know what the hell's going on. So you kind of like lead, you know, let them lead the way a little bit and be flexible. And that's, that's the main kind of thing that we do is we are flexible parents to dogs and to this baby. Oh yeah. Like you, you can't expect, you know, the world out of these small creatures who have no idea what they're doing because they can't communicate with you yet. Either dogs, you know, with, with the robot helmet or whatever to kind of speak to you 
uh, <laughs> through telepathy or babies who haven't developed speech patterns yet. You know, you just have to be flexible. You, you have to leave the door open for them to go down a variety of different paths. It sounds like, um, exactly. Yeah. This uh, this movie is very much like a a more modern uh, version of that scene in the 101 Dalmatians cartoon where he's looking out the window and he sees different dogs and their owners and they all look exactly alike. They really and they're do. all behaving the same. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like your dog is a reflection of you and vice versa. So it going off of what you said, it, it, it kind of makes sense that Winky, the terrier ends up winning the show because he seems to have the, the, the healthiest relationship with his owners. I mean, Harlan pepper and uh, the bloodhound are totally fine, but he's maybe too young for the competition. He was two um, years old. He's just a baby. He don't, he's just a, baby. he's just a baby. And it seems like Harlan's maybe just more uh, wanting to do ventriloquism anyway. That's uh, his, that's where his true passion lies is yeah. ventriloquism. Um, but yeah, like looking at the the rest of like the the parent the parenting styles, you know, the 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 cotillion style, the um, boarding school of Rhapsody and White, you know, you get a trainer of the best of the best to come in and get you to stardom, all that kind of stuff is is very hands off, and of course you win a little bit, but you know the the second you fall off the horse, your parents open up a bitch magazine. And it's really weird. And then you get the very like show parents, the very showy, the very hands-on parents of Stefan and Scott who, you know, do a photo shoot, these, <laughs> this insane photo shoot with their dog, Miss Agnes. Like, it's crazy. But yeah, like you said, the most grounded and the most real, like you said, uh, are Jerry and Cookie Fleck. Even though Cookie's got her, her skeletons in the closet, you know, there's, there's hundreds of skeletons in her closet, right? We haven't uh, even we haven't even talked about like the little mini journey that they take to get to um, the dog show where they stop off at one of their old friends house. And the guy has obviously been with Cookie in the past. And then it ends up with like their son taking the dog and going up onto the roof of their shed. And the guy is like a trained hostage negotiator. <laughs> he freaks out on him. I, you know, again, I want to go back to the writer's room to like, they get that character in and they're like, okay, so you're at the dinner table and you know, we're going to talk about your job and this kind of stuff. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to be a hostage negotiator or not even a hostage. <laughs> what is it? Um, just a, a master negotiator. He talks or, people down. down and yeah. But his... here's the secret. They all jump like, what the fuck? <laughs> One of my yeah, one of my favorite things also about a movie like this is you get so many comedic moments that come out of people talking over each other at the same time. So like I'm sure the the improvisation of it all kind of comes to in head and everyone's just like getting a word in. You get that happening when uh, Catherine O'Hara falls and like twists her knee and then they're all like helping Jerry get uh, his his armband on at that point. But one of my favorite lines also comes from the moment when <laughs> he's trying to talk his son down from on top of the shed with Winky and the wife is like, don't look him in the eye. It challenges him. He doesn't like it. <laughs> and it's kind of a throwaway line that you hear in tandem with three other people talking. So it's 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 amazing how how much this movie is about the comedy that comes from uh, people interacting with each other and not just what they're saying, but the way they're saying it and in what context. It's, oh, yeah. it's this movie is kind of a 
uh, a very much a case study in uh, how comedy can come from different areas that are kind of unexpected. Definitely. Yeah. Ugh, so many fun things. So many things. Um, I did want to touch on before we kind of get into the, the game section of our episode. Um, it, it has to be mentioned that like so many of these actors within the guest crew are still seeing, if not the same level, but like even more comedic success today mm-hmm. uh, uh, compared to where they were 20 years ago when this movie came out, which yeah. kind of uh, reinforces the idea like this, this crew is very much um, really well in tuned with uh, what, what kind of goes into uh, the idea of comedy, whether it be like film or television and how much that has kind of lived on uh, throughout each of their careers. So obviously like we're in the middle of like the Jennifer Coolidge Renaissance. I don't know if you were aware. I am aware. So she's in multiple shows. She just won an Emmy. Uh, She's in the, I know exactly. It's everyone on earth is saying like long overdue for Jennifer Coolidge. Right. Love that. Love that for her. Um, Eugene and Catherine obviously are on Shit's Creek, one of my favorite, favorite shows of all time at this point. Um, they had their huge Emmy moment a couple mm-hmm. years back. Um, yeah. It's it's so fun to kind of see them as a pairing that came out of this. Uh, I, I, I feel like the guest films are so much about like pairings of individual personalities and kind of like how this ingredient plus this ingredient makes more than the sum of its parts and all yeah. of that. And it's cool to see how something like that has evolved beyond and kind of lived beyond these films. Yeah. Like knowing what I know with the, the characters that I saw in the movie, like uh, compared with my previous knowledge. So I had no no idea about this movie, who was in it um, and all that. Like, I remember seeing the trailer probably in the early two thousands or whatever, but I never saw it just because, but I knew it was about dogs in some (laughs) form or fashion. I think there's a dog competition, but I'm not sure. And I knew that Eugene Levy was in it. And at that point, my only connection to Eugene Levy was the American Pie movies, which came out a little bit later, uh, or previously, the year previous. I think it was 99 when the first one came out. So that was my only connection to it. So when the movie started last night, um, I was like, I was so surprised by just the cast of characters, but then I shouldn't have been because, you know, Christopher, the Christopher Guest of it all, you know. Um, so the I was universe. very... I was really pleasantly surprised to see Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara together because also I've seen Shit's Creek as well. And it's fun to kind of see that they kind of play off each other the same way 20 years earlier, um, which is super great. It's fun to see the evolution of Catherine O'Hara. Like she's been great forever, but you see like Kevin's mom in Home Alone and then you see her throughout the Christopher Guest films where she's slowly getting weirder and weirder until she becomes the most heightened character of all time in Moira Rose, right? Yeah. Uh, like what a career to have. Moira is like the pinnacle of all of her previous characters <laughs> bubbled up, you know, um, the uh, Beetlejuice and Christopher Guest and Home Alone, all like, and even her previous experience from Second City and all that kind of stuff bubbled up into like this perfect mega unit that is Moira Rose. Like we talk about like acting capital A acting capital C choices on this episode. Like, Oh my God, the choices that go into that character on Schitt's Creek, you would never imagine in a million years uh, what she's doing when she does it. Oh, I know. And like, and it comes from 
just extensive experience. Like a person out the gate who watches that show or whatever and wants to get into comedy or wants to try their hand at improv comedy or anything like that. Like you can't get that seasoned, perfect type of hilarity out the gate. That is from decades of experience that she's gotten to get to that perfect, pitch perfect level. And it's, yeah. it's, it is really remarkable. And com- and it is, it is great to see like the success stories that each of them have become. I mean, you got like Jane Lynch on Glee, you got even like Michael McKean, uh, I know is like huge on better call Saul, even though I've never seen that show. I Me think neither. a yeah. lot of people love his character there. Um, again, I just read Parker Posey's autobiography. She's on a couple shows right now. I love anything Parker Posey's in. I think she's like a fascinating screen presence. Yeah. Um, she's just so fun to look at. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, my and then Fred Willard, Fred Willard, just Fred Willard, RIP. He, he actually died a couple years back. Yeah. Yeah. But um, everything he was in was, is just in stitches. He's just such a positive, uh, a positive presence on screen. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to see Fred Willard as a villain in anything, although I'm sure he'd be great. He would be great, but it would be in like a comedic sense. Um, but yeah, like the same thing, like you don't want to see Tom Hanks as like a, as like a bad guy, you know, it's like, <laughs> he famously oh. doesn't do great as a bad guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last, the last note I had before we get into this game I've prepared for you, um, <laughs> You, you got to give it up for the dog actors as well. Um, so all of yeah. the dogs in this film, the, the five main ones. Um, so you have the Weimariner, you have the poodle, you have um, Winky, the terrier, you have the bloodhound, and then you have the Shih Tzu. All of them were like former um, uh, show winners, essentially, in different types of dog shows. Um, amazing. I read, which is kind of where you see that level of comfort coming from yeah, them kind of going around this arena. They had to build this entire arena because no dog show would let them use their own. So a lot of this is like, there's, there's kind of a secret little balance behind the scenes between like, it's so improvisational and loose uh, in front of the camera, but behind the scenes, so much work actually went into developing this film and so much research and stuff to make sure that they got these dog handlers and dog breeds. Correct. Yeah. Um, that's really so cool. good. I really like cool. That. Very much yeah. a story. Being a, uh, you know, a quote, quote unquote dog person, you know, loving <laughs> rescue, respecting the creatures and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was, you know, I, I trust at the end, you know, the Humane Society was involved and no dogs were harmed in the making of this movie, of course. But, you know, of, at, at certain points, it's, you know, you see Parker Posey and Michael Hitchcock just like yelling at each other. Oh. Just, the Weimariner in particular. Like, it's just like, poor, that poor dog. <laughs> deserves an award of uh-huh. some sort. Yeah, the, but hilarious. And you just, you have to end. I love how they bookend this movie where they have that therapy discussion where at first, at, at the start of the movie, they're concerned that the Weimariner is uh, anxious because <laughs> she saw them having sex. And then at the end, they've gotten rid of the Weimariner. <laughs> And yeah. they have this pug that's humping the guy's leg, and they're so much happier. It's ridiculous. I love it though. Horrible it's dog people. So terrible, terrible people. <laughs> Glad uh, they lost. Glad they got disqualified. All right, all right. Let me let me get you into this game, and then uh, we'll we'll talk about kind of final thoughts on okay. the show. Yeah. So you know what's coming. 
Um, I do. <laughs> the, the game that I have prepared for you. So we know that Harlan Pepper, um, the owner of the Bloodhound in Best in Show, um, has a special skill where he is able to pretty much name any kind of nut in existence, yeah. right? Um, and he'll just list them off, you know, peanut, pine nut, macadamia nut, all that stuff. Um, so naturally, what I have for you is what I'm calling the nut test. Um, <laughs> and so it's 10 questions about oh, nuts. Uh, and I'll give you two multiple choice options for each. Okay. And then you just tell me what the answer is. Easy pie. I'm gonna it's ace so it. easy. I'm going to get at least 80%. Yeah, this let's see good. how you do. All right. Great. Are you ready? You want to take some time at all? You good? I'm going to take some time. Up? I'm going to take some time. I'm going to stretch my brain. You're going to stretch some brain? Yeah. We'll be right back, folks. You know what? I, I don't even need the whole time. You don't okay. need Pilates. Okay. I feel I feel like I know I Joe, I feel like I know my nuts. So You know your nuts. I know my nuts. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right. Um okay, so qu 10 questions about nuts starting with number 1. Are you ready? I'm ready. Which nut counts for 2 thirds of all nut consumption? Is it okay. the peanut or the almond? It's the almond because peanut is not a nut. That is incorrect. It's the God peanut. Damn it. It's a legume. It doesn't count. Not doing great so far. Uh, this answer that I got from the internet says that you are wrong. <laughs> the internet says you're wrong. You get a W for wrong on that one. <laughs> um, which nut can be found inside a pine cone? Is it the cola nut or the pine nut? Oh, I know this one. You want to say pine nut, but it's the cola nut. Justin? Incorrect. It is obviously the pine nut. I was tricking you on that one. Really? Zero. Like that's how you make pesto is you take pine cones and you get the pine. Nut? Okay. All right. Fair. Fair. How you make pesto? Yeah. Pesto is made with pine nuts. What? Right. Is it not? I don't know. Uh, pesto is like a, like a savory thing. Yeah. Pesto. Right. I don't know. Uh, chefs, chefs who listen to the show, uh, Call in next time or hit us Chefs, up. email us um, uh, and let us know your thoughts here. Um, you know what? Hit we'll, us up on hit us up on Instagram at we'll UCU this podcast. On Instagram, at at UCU, UCU podcast. podcast. Yes, baby. Let's say it at the same time one more time. Okay, yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready for question number three? Let's try to get one right here. Okay. Um, which nut was contained in the original recipe for Coca-Cola? Is it the cola nut? Or the chestnut. It's the chestnut. Justin, you got to stop falling for these. It's the cola nut. Wrong. It's not fair. <laughs> I'm not a good test taker. Zero for three. Zero for three. All right. It's all right. It's all right. You can still get 70%. Okay. Are you ready for question number four? Give me four. Give me four. Which of these nuts is a real nut? All right. Is it the Wisconsin green nut or the Australian wood nut? Wisconsin versus Australia, the classic debate. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with down under. I'm gonna say the Australian, whatever nut. Australian wood nut. Um, the correct answer is neither because it's a trick question. You got that wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
Question number five, yeah. keeping you on your toes here. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 1996 movie, The Nutty Professor, Eddie Murphy <laughs> portrays a handsome alter ego version of his character named what? Is it Buddy Love or Mike Dexter? See, Mike Dexter is from uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Can't Hardly Wait. So it's not that, it's Buddy Love. I got one right. <laughs> you are correct. Um, I actually know Mike Dexter as Liz Lemon's imaginary boyfriend from 30 Rock. So I'm glad that we we got to that separately. Yes, good. Oh, okay. Question number six. What is the title of the 2000 sequel to The Nutty Professor? Is it The Nutty Professor 2 Into the Nuttyverse or <laughs> The Nutty Professor 2 The Clumps? Uh, it's The Clumps. Correct. You're on a roll. All right. We'll turn in it around. Turn it around. Um, question number seven. Yeah. Eddie Murphy was shockingly not nominated for an Oscar for The Nutty Professor or <laughs> its sequel. But what movie did he get nominated and come very close to winning an Oscar for? Is it Beverly Hills Cop or Dreamgirls? Uh, Dreamgirls. It was Dreamgirls. Oh, my God. You're correct. Yeah. All right, you got the last three right. We're on a roll. All Damn right. Damn right. Damn right. Question number eight. Following the success of 1996's The Nutty Professor, <laughs> Eddie Murphy's highest grossing film ultimately became what? Is it Shrek 2 or Daddy Daycare? It's Shrek 2, easily. It's Shrek 2, easily. It's yeah, Shrek that movie made like almost a billion dollars. Yeah. All right. This is This is easy right now. Yeah. Okay. Question number nine. Jada Pinkett Smith, star of 1996's The Nutty Professor, is also the lead vocalist for what type of band founded in 2002? Is it jazz or metal? Mm, That's a good question. I want to say jazz. Ooh, incorrect. She is the lead vocalist of a metal band. Look it up. It's kind of crazy. That's great. Yeah. All right, your final question in the nut test. Are you ready? Final, can can we do final Jeopardy? Can I wager all my points? Do you want to do it? How Let's, many points do I have? Up. Let me I count up. Okay, so right. you have one, two, three, four right, and then five wrong. Yikes. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna bet it all. So if I get it right, I get eighty percent. Like I said, I was gonna. Get okay. Okay. And so if, if I get it wrong, know, I get zero. So if you get it right, you'll have. 50%, right? So you'll technically get 100%. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Done. Doing Let's the math, do right? Let's do it that way. Let's do it that way. And if you get it wrong, you get zero. I get nothing. Yeah. Okay. Question number 10. Which nut is in the same plant family as poison ivy and can actually cause itching if you come in contact with its shell? Is it the cashew or the pistachio? Hmm. Cashew or pistachio, which one can make you itchy if you touch the shell? Cashew, okay. I don't even know what the shell looks like for a cashew. I know what the shell looks like for a pistachio, and those are pretty readily available. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say, pista- no, I'm going to say cashew. Say cashew. It's cashew. Is that your final answer? That's cashew. my final answer. Cashew. Justin, you followed the correct logic there. It is cashew because they never sell it with the shell. Yes. You're goddamn right. They don't. So you technically got 100% uh, on this quiz because of our Devil Jeopardy rule. I love it. Um, congratulations on acing the nut test. <laughs> I feel I feel so good. 
um, I feel vindicated. Yeah. Um, in in my nut knowledge. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh. This, this is great. Uh, so two things fell out of that. One, you mentioned like teen raunch and all that kind of stuff. Have you seen Can't Hardly Wait? I haven't. All right, that one's going on the list uh, for later in the year. That was one of my first movies that I saw in theater by myself with a with a with a with a date. Oh my goodness! Even though, like, not really, about that. not really, because I was in fifth grade. But whatever. <sighs> um, and then uh, Jada Pinkett being in Scream Two, we still need to watch that. We still need to watch Scream Two together. I know. I still haven't. Um, it's great, but yeah, this was that was fun. Uh, Joe, well done for that game. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, that kind of concludes our episode on Best in Show. Justin, I am so glad I was the one who was able to show this to you. Any any final thoughts on the film? Final thoughts. Um, being now like a mature, you know, uh, comedy appreciator, uh, you know, aficionado, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. This is definitely going up there of, um, you know, top tier comedies for me um you know i you know like i mentioned i'd seen this is spinal tap before so now i can kind of draw the connection between the the guest diverse uh and like this you know like we were talking about this paves the way for the early 2000s up to now of just the mockumentary style and perfecting it and popularizing it mm. so yeah i had a really fun time with this the cast of characters were incredibly offbeat and bonkers but you know, uh, they they perfectly played against each other and with each other. And you know, like you said, this is a masterclass in improv, and I can totally appreciate that because of my exposure and you know immediate uh, parallelogramness to it. We're very improv adjacent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we talked last month in our last episode around like the different styles of horror and how. Uh, there's there's many different uh sub genres within the genre of horror and it's the same for comedy i would think but this this movie i would say makes my top 10 comedy yeah. list it's great it it paid off in a long way it started off on a weird foot i wasn't sure what to expect but once the 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 gas got rolling after 10 minutes or whatever i was like okay i see what they're doing and this is incredible yeah, and I can't explain it, but there's like there's a Macy's Day Parade vibe to this that just gives it a Thanksgiving Thanksgiving aura. Like I looked it up, the Westminster Dog Show takes place in like the summer. Like it's it's not a Thanksgiving not that, event yeah. at all. But this f- always feels like a Thanksgiving movie to me. So it's it's very fitting that we're talking about it in the month of November. It definitely is, and I was curious to see what the connection was, but now it makes sense because you're right. It feels like sweaters. It feels like an LL Bean mock turtleneck. <laughs> Fit for Hamilton Swan, and I, and it's it's cozy. It feels like the concept of turkey. Yes, <laughs> it's a little dry, you know. Alrighty, yeah. um, well, Justin, thank you for accompanying me on this journey. Um, this has been the uh, Uncultured Cinematic Universe with Joe and Justin. Yep. Uh, feel free to follow us on Instagram at UCU Podcast. Um, and you can also listen to this episode if you're not listening to it already, um, on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or, you know, YouTube, if you you want to watch our faces as well. Just YouTube it. I mean, we're handsome gentlemen. YouTube it. Yeah. YouTube it. 
uh, yeah, this is great. I'm looking forward to seeing what else we can squeak out in the month of November. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to dive right into Christmas season, and we'll see what we can talk about there. Christmas miniseries is going to get kind of insane. All I right. can't wait. Uh, appreciate it, Joe. I love you as always. This was so much fun. Catch you guys later. Bye. Bye. and recording yes and